0: of news and views. And joining us today for News and Views making his first appearance from the MacGyver Institute, Chris Rochester. Chris, thanks so much for making the time to join us today.
1: Thanks for having me on, Oliver.
0: Well, you have been down covering all sorts of things having to do with B and F, Budget and Foxconn. And I have to ask you this question, Chris Rochester. MacGyver Institute, www.MacGyverInstitute.com. Which one is garnering more attention and why?
1: Well, without a doubt, uh, Foxconn is, is garnering more attention, not only in the media, but uh, by legislators. And I think the reason is really that uh, even though the budget is, is uh, what, two months late now, uh, just about, uh, this is there's a... a Strong desire by the company to get a deal pushed through the Walker administration, signed a the memorandum of understanding with uh, the uh, CEO of Foxconn uh, uh, a few weeks ago now that said September 30th is the deadline to get this thing signed. So the attention and the focus, uh, at least uh, in front of the scenes or in front of the cameras, is definitely on Foxconn.
0: Is there much that we know of at this juncture that may change? I saw that there was some desire for the legislative input to reflect more guarantees of jobs for Wisconsinites. I know my labor law a little bit. I don't think that one's going to fly too well, even if it did pass the legislature. I'm not sure it would pass... Uh, any court challenge, let alone the smell test for Foxconn, am I right or wrong?
1: Right, uh, that's the same um, uh, concern we've heard from legislators. Who um, uh, the Republicans, uh, especially uh, the chairman of the Assembly Jobs Committee, Adam Nalen, um, he has said that you cannot. It's not, and also Speaker Robin Voss, you can't just say all these jobs have to go to Wisconsin. Tonight, um, and I, I don't know exactly what. What the the precedent is, but the way they say it, they've they've included plenty of encouragement for Wisconsinites to get the jobs first. But I think a, a real point here to make that uh, you know we hear the the especially the Democrats saying uh, and some Republicans saying these should, jobs should go to Wisconsinites at least you know as many as possible. Um, but one thing that has not really been mentioned that much is we have a a 3.1% unemployment rate in Wisconsin. And frankly, this is so many jobs, Uh, not only just at Foxconn with with 10,000 construction jobs, uh, up to 13,000 high-skilled jobs at the actual, uh, we call it a a manufacturing city because it's not just a plant, it's a a large series of plants. Um, We don't necessarily have the, the... enough employees down that part of the state. So we have to be open to people from Illinois coming up in Wisconsin, paying taxes, and as the Walker administration says, hopefully moving here eventually.
0: Here's my question. Since we just had to, after Illinois raised its taxes, $5 billion, we got hit with a $51 million bill on reciprocity. Right. Is it going to hurt us budgetarily going forward to have more people from... Illinois coming to work. No, as a matter Wisconsin? of fact, exactly
1: the opposite. So okay. we have about fifty thousand or so people uh, who, uh, on net, go work in Illinois versus those who come to Wisconsin to work. And so that's that's the reason we have this arrangement with Illinois. So the folks who work on one side and live on the other only have to pay taxes in one state. Well, since more Wisconsinites work in Illinois than here in Wisconsin, and since Illinois raised its taxes. We actually had to come up with the $51 million. If you have more people coming from Illinois to work in Wisconsin at this Foxconn plant or other developments that might happen around, around that part of the state, right up the highway from the Chicago area, it'll be better for us financially. We might actually end up getting money back from Illinois on that uh, out of that agreement.
0: Now that Foxconn looks like it's going to go through in the assembly without any problem, What's happening on the Senate side?
1: All right, so um, the Assembly actually passed it last Thursday. Uh, it was mostly a party-line vote. Uh, three Democrats from that area, uh, Peter Barca, Corey Mason, and, and, and Todd Olmsted, uh all voted for it. Uh, two Republicans voted against it. Uh, the next step uh, we saw yesterday, the uh, the Senate referred the bill to the Joint Committee on Finance, and they had a meeting uh, a public hearing in uh, Sturtevant, down by Racine, uh, at the uh, Gateway Technical College. And so that was the first step in the Senate, public hearing at Joint Finance. And the next step from here will be an uh, 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 actual executive session where the Joint Finance Committee senators and assembly people will vote uh, vote the bill out of the committee, and then it will go to the full Senate floor. It's not exactly clear when that executive session is going to happen yet, though. We assume it's going to happen soon, maybe next week.
0: Now, in this case, it doesn't, after hearing, go through a, an executive vote at that committee level, but the Joint Finance Committee. Is that an unusual procedure, or is this typical?
1: Well, this is, I mean, anything about this deal is, is unusual because it's just so so huge. Uh, we haven't seen anything like this in the history of the state of Wisconsin, and I mean, as as you know, Brett and and, and Matt Kittle have talked about before on the show. I'm sure this is the biggest deal of its kind in the history of the country. So there's really no precedent for it. I, I think it was uh, uh, seen as important by a lot of the uh, by many senators and and even some in the assembly to have joint finance look at it because it's the committee on uh, taxing and spending. The very, it's a very the most powerful committee in the legislature and. uh they thought it was important for for JFC to look at it before it came to the Senate floor. So that's how the Senate has chosen to, to move ahead.
0: We need to take a quick break. Qu- Chris Rochester, our guest, MacGyver Institute investigative reporter and a really nice guy. And we'll be back with more news and views and Chris Rochester after this. And for another three minutes and 30 seconds, just so you can count it down, uh, Chris Rochester, investigative reporter macgyver institute it seems that the department of transportation we have the spirit of secretary past with mr gottlieb (laughs) going around and uh saying that uh we need more money well uh
1: yeah the the former dot secretary uh decided to re-enter this debate um he, he chose to uh, use a McIver uh, report on it. Was what, what we did was we published a list of uh, that amounted to two billion dollars in questionable and outright wasteful projects. And uh, he uh, somehow uh, we had forty-five items on the list, and he somehow found a way to be offended by every single last one of them. Uh, so he launched a point-by-point rebuttal uh, on a couple of other websites and. So we we decided to respond uh, on our own website, as you say, uh, McIverInstitute dot com. And uh, to me, it, it it's remarkable that uh, the former DOT secretary, who was serving since twenty eleven, couldn't find one thing on our list. I mean, you can you can criticize different different parts of it if you want. Uh, our point was to show a, a, a series of samples of. of the ways that government at all levels waste money. We didn't mention Mr. Gottlieb by name, but he decided to respond and take offense to every single item. And it's remarkable, not even one item on the list, uh, Mr. Gottlieb could say, well, yeah, that, that, that's wasteful, you're right. Um, so, that, uh, yeah, he's decided to re-enter the conversation.
0: So basically he's decided that you have a perfect record of being wrong.
1: Uh, I think that's kind of what he's what he's operating on here. Um, what's really interesting is a lot of the examples of waste we pointed out were local level spending on bike transportation projects. You know, bike bridges, pedestrian bridges, bike paths. We did a story on a, a bike roundabout that's here in Madison. So the two things that people, you know, who are opposed to the gas tax and who drive Wisconsin's roads all the time love the most all these bike paths and all the roundabouts combined into one project. Uh, So he took offense to all of those and he missed the point entirely of what we wrote, um, which is, so he said, this is the federal government's fault. This is the local government's fault. This doesn't have anything to do with the DOT. Well, that's why we didn't point the finger of blame at Mr. Gottlieb to begin with. Um, But it is interesting to note that he is actually a board member of the bike Federation of Wisconsin, uh, which sent out a fundraising email, Uh, shortly after Mr. Gottlieb's response.
0: Oh, I can't see how there could remotely be a connection there, Chris Rochester. You must just be some right-wing nut.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It it must be a pure coincidence. Yes. But, you know, another thing he does is um, our report says that the DOT missed $192 million in savings by missing out on one of the goals that they themselves have set. And he, his re- response was, well, it's just too hard. That's too high of a goal. It's impossible <laughs> to get that kind of savings. I mean, you have to be a, a real dyed-in-the-wool bureaucrat to just sweep $192 million of potential savings under the rug. I mean, and that's that where the- we're
0: going to need to leave it, Chris. We'll have to have you back again. Chris Rochester, MacGyver Institute, thanks for joining us. Awesome, anytime. Pl-